if I'm on the golf course and I don't have a light, I don't have a boom pole. It's like, okay, great. Control what you can control. Position yourself. The light's a little nicer. Uh, use a background that's clean. Don't shoot directly into where the generator is popping off, you know, to mess with your audio. It's, it's like making it as best you can with like the resources that you have. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatives and adventurers, welcome back to Blue Ass Water, where you'll hear tales of creative endeavors, tropical exploration from the talented and passionate guests of the show. I'm your host, Emac. Appreciate y'all tuning in. And as always, if you enjoy the episode, give it a like on YouTube, five stars on Apple Music, and share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. This week on Blue Ass Water, we're very, very lucky to be joined by the immensely talented daily vlogging TikToker, Andy Turner. Thanks, man. I'm fired up. I'm so fired up to be here. <laughs> Dude, uh, first TikToker we've had on. I mean, I never would have thought that I would be introed as the daily vlogging TikToker, but I, you know, it's blowing up and I needed some skin in the game. So I figured why not go daily on a, you know, daily recaps. The purpose of this pod, Andy, is to get you a brand deal. Let's go. <laughs> let's do it who's trying to sponsor the daily talks i mean yeah, he comes with the consistent content every day it's engaging hit him up <laughs> i've actually I've, I've fallen off the daily trend uh i just got off of a week-long shoot with uh the corn fairy tour and those days are just like 14 hours and sometimes like the last thing you want to do is like cut a talk so of it may course. not be the best pitch uh for a daily brand <laughs> sponsor but uh yeah we'll, we'll get back on the train pretty soon I'm sure they appreciate the honesty at the very least. So many listeners might already know who you are, but for those who don't, Andy, would you mind describing who you are, what you do, and where you're currently based? Yeah, for sure. So I'm based in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I'm a freelance videographer, and I got my start with a GoPro in high school. Then I shot weddings. And during the time I was shooting weddings, I was also shooting for Clemson football while I was in school. Um, then after I graduated, I freelanced, uh, yeah, just like the name of the game is freelance videography. I direct a little, produce a little, edit a little, but my main, uh, role is jumping on sets as the camera. You're consistent with it. You're always on gigs like, and they, they kind of vary, but lately they've been trending towards golf. So much golf. Yeah. The, the first connection came from Allie Kearns, who we were coworkers, uh, at Clemson. Um, and she's a year older than I am. So when she graduated, she went and worked for the PGA tour. Um, and then they needed freelancers. So she was trying to plug in the Clemson network. So I think she's had like three or four Clemson shooters jump on gigs with her, but she put my name in the hat to work the corn Ferry tour, which is the tour right below the PGA. So you graduate from the KFT and then you jump up to the PGA tour. Um, once you like finish like top 25, top 75 or something. Um, you get your tour card. So I worked a corn fairy tour gig. And then I recently just got off my first PGA tour gig uh, working player content. Um, so that's shooting for whoever like requests content through the PGA tour. Um, we go out and we execute on that. So we shot some stuff for Dustin Johnson. We shot some stuff for Kepco. We shot some stuff for Tony Finau. Um, all those guys was that gig. And I've also gotten plugged in on like the NBC sports side through my contact with the KFT and through Alley and done some work with NBC sports. So there's so many just like pockets within golf uh, that I've gotten plugged into, but it's great. It's like, it's the sleeper sport to cover. Like 
there's not a lot of clout involved in shooting golf. It's pretty peaceful. You're cruising around on a cart all day, just like capturing a guy for two or three holes. And then you're on to the next one. Um, and I'm so lucky that my contacts there just say like, Hey, do your thing. Uh, we want you to create, like, what do you want to make today? And I'm like, Oh, cool. Here's my plan. Here's what I want to do. Um, it's, 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 there's a lot of creative freedom, uh, with the groups that I've been working into. So that's pretty ideal. You mentioned cruising around on the cart. So you do get the liberty of having a chauffeur or being your own chauffeur. You don't have to just walk the whole 18. The best case scenario for me, at least being new to the game is to have a producer who's driving and I'm passenger side with a camera on tripod or a camera on the Ronin is how I operate mostly these days, because I don't know a lot of these faces. I don't know a lot of these guys, which is like a blessing and a curse. You know, you don't fanboy over them because you don't know them. But then it's like somebody asked me to go shoot. I don't know go out and capture somebody on the ninth hole i'm like i'm texting my producer i'm like what's this guy wearing like what's the fit of this guy and they're like <laughs> they're like white hat navy shirt uh white pants you know what i mean and i'm just yeah. like all right cool gonna shoot that one. <laughs> you know full transparency have you ever shot the wrong guy on a hole oh yeah for sure for sure well whenever that happens so they usually play in groups of three or so so if i don't know i'm shooting all of them and then i'm coming back to the media center with just like way too much footage but it's better to be safe than sorry there of course always overshoot so for anyone who follows you on twitter or the gram and sees your stories they might have seen your setup which typically is fairly consistent it seems like you've really found that setup that you absolutely love yeah, I, I think I fell into the niche of Ronin guy of stabilized video, right? So, I mean, small upgrades have been made here and there, but like it, it consists of the Ronin RS2, um, usually an A7S3 with the 24 to 70. Um, you've got the follow focus, you've got a monitor, you've got a road mic to capture if anybody, you know, speaks directly to your rig or just like general swing sounds. Um, so yeah, that's the name of the game. And then a little side handle to, uh, to operate with. So yeah, Sony on a Ronin is, uh, the go-to. And then I'm trying to figure out my setup on sticks to get a little bit tighter. Um, and the name of the game there would be like a 70 to 200 with a two X converter. Um, so that's the next step, but my go-to is if I don't know what I'm capturing, it's going to be smooth motion on the Ronin. Um, or if, if, if that's not even necessary and I need to be more compact, it's just, just like the held setup. You mentioned the convert, the two X converter that is for people who don't know, it takes a 70 to 200 lens and makes it a 140 to 400 lens. Is that correct? Something like that. Yeah. You double the focal length and then it, it stops you down to a five, six, I believe. Okay. But um, if you're shooting like midday football, lacrosse golf, like you're going to be using ND filters anyway. And, and a five, six at that tight of a focal length is, is fine. Cause you're still going to get that depth of field that you want. That buttery focus. Yeah. So you do also have a secret weapon that you failed to mention. Oof. I think I know what you're going to say. The little guy, the Insta 360. It's the BTS camera when you don't have time to shoot BTS. Right. So, so it's that. And then I've also used it for actual deliverables on site, which is killer. Yeah, most recently I did like a tiny planet feature for the Corn Ferry tour last week where it was just like, you know, we stuck the Insta360 in as the flag in a cup and someone put straight into it and it looked like a tiny planet. We put it down in the golf cup um, and, you know, got the view of them pulling the ball out of the cup. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it provides some really cool angles and like 
when I'm in these situations where I'm shooting, where there's absolutely no time to shoot a behind the scenes, you know, Instagram spot on my phone, it's just like off to the side of my Ronin uh, mounted via like a NATO rail. And it just records. And then you get back to the hotel and you're like, oh, cool. I have this 360 BTS. It captured everything. Crazy. It didn't take you out of the moment because like a lot of the shoots that are like the events that I'm on, you there's there's no shot that you're going to take out your phone and record something. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it allows you to get the BTS without, um, you know, jumping out of the moment. And as small as so many of the DSL, DSLRs have become these days, you still can't mm-hmm. fit those in a hole in golf, right? Oh yeah. Or, you know, underwater in swimming or wherever it may be, the variety of usage for these small action cams is literally so high, especially for a sport like golf. Oh yeah. You can do so, so much. There's like. I, I had to figure out how to rig the Insta360 to go in the bottom of the hole um, for this one gig that we were doing. So it, it wouldn't stand up on its own in the bottom of the cup. So we ended up sticking a T into the side of the cup where it was you know, still dirt before it got to the actual plastic part. And we stuck the T in both sides. So if you go watch the video, there's a tiny little circle of a T that you can see off to the side. <laughs> um, little Easter egg there. But um, I, I hope nobody noticed. But we had to do it to rig it. I mean, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Um, For sure. And that kind of leads us to like imperfect content is sometimes the best. Someone that I recently, not actually that recently, I've been following him for a while on Twitter. Emery Halivi. Did I pronounce that name correctly? I think so. He's the man. He's so loud on Twitter and I love it. Yeah. And he comes with great opinions. And funny enough, something he said, I'll add it right here on screen. He's, he's, I think he said, tweeted this yesterday. It's me deciding how I'm going to overproduce a quick 30 second interview clip that no one will end up seeing. And what it is, is SpongeBob flipping through folders labeled stereo boom mic, shooting 4K, three point lighting, use Ronin, shooting log, use a cam, a B cam, A cam, and C cam, drone coverage, use 128 gigabyte cards and uh, 10 SD or glass. Yeah, anyways, he's just discussing every single thing that. Ideally, you could have all of it, but you don't necessarily need all of it because you could get caught up in it, you know, in the overproduction of it all. When sometimes the best bet is just to have, you know, your little run and gun Ronin, which is still very high quality. Uh, So talk to me about your opinion on that tweet and the overall mindset of high production value versus quality of content versus speed of content. First, we just have to acknowledge that Emery is nice with the memes. Like, yeah, I'm wondering, do you think he made that himself? Dude, like with all the foot folders? Is that, did he create I f- that? I feel like he did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, no, it's uh, a lot of the times, like, I, I do get caught up in trying to make, you know, the deliverable or the shot perfect. But what I've kind of learned, I've been watching a lot of like Warner Herzog stuff, and he's this like unscripted documentary filmmaker who's like anything but perfect. He's just like cruising and looking for the story. So one of his like famous ones is he goes and films these, these dudes who are on death row and he talks to them for just like, he, he made this entire doc on that. And like, he's shooting between the glass, having the conversation with the phones, just like through the walls. And he literally brings one light. He's on, you know, talking, asking questions. He includes that in the piece and he brings like one camera. Cause like, if you're going running gun, if you're going, into these situations where you can't have all the gear in the world. You kind of have to be okay with not having your entire setup, which is what I'm trying to figure out. Like 
And a lot of the times too, the clients that I'm jumping on with, they're not expecting just like this massive production, right? They more so care about the moments. So I'd rather not miss the moment in favor of, you know, setting up the three-point lighting setup. I'd rather just use natural light or reflector or nothing in favor of getting, you know, the final putt on the 18 or the guys just like showering the winner in beer after the game. And especially in sports, you can't recreate any of these moments, you know? Mm. Yeah, maybe a putt will be similar to one on a previous hole, but especially on the 18th or when when the when the friend is showering the champion with, you know, a bottle of uh, champagne or whatever on in NASCAR or something. Yeah, yeah, the moment's captured. It's like, for me, it's a fine line of like, I want to put my best work out there, but I don't want to miss the moment. So uh, I'm still trying to find the balance there. And I think it leads to, okay, cool. How much pre-production are we doing for this? What can we control? How do we make it uh, look as great as possible ahead of time so that when the moment comes, like you're ready for it? I know some creatives, photographers, videographers specifically, chase certain moments that kind of can define their style. For example, uh, Jeff Hanel from Auburn, now at Texas, I believe, you know, his thing is the subject's feet walking to show like the movement progression through scenes and, you know, uh, building that tension at, before the peak of the moment. Do you have a specific moment or shot that you really try and get every shoot or one that you really like to get when you do get it? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm really good at establishing just like where we are once the video starts and that kind of leads to you know the 16 to 35 on the road and you know if i'm operating like that like eventually on a set on site you've got to shoot and establish like where you're at so i, I think that the wide establishers are my thing um I, I haven't really ventured into getting too tight on uh subjects like eyes breathing feet or something like that um uh, but yeah if, if i had to say something it'd definitely be just like establishers where we are what's surrounding the event and i mean those are really one of the most important shots because without that how are we going to know you know where we, like you know if you're in the mountains or you're on the coast or you're indoors or outdoors even um, because if For you sure. just start with a close-up and keep close-ups the whole time, you might not be able to tell where you are, you know. Uh, so totally. that's a super important shot. And now that you say that, I like it, it totally makes sense because thinking back on a lot of your pieces I've seen, that is something that you consistently achieve every time. I appreciate it. Yeah, a, a lot of it um, you know, started at Clemson, whether it's like a wide shot on the field, a wide shot of the indoor, um, the team room. Like I just finished watching, I'm like a year late on this, but I just finished watching the last dance. Um, and they do a fantastic job too. Of just like at one point, someone's going to go to the top of the, the Coliseum or wherever they're playing and they're going to get that, you know, wide clip, whether it's literally just like on sticks, there's a little bit of movement, anything like that. Um, Wes Anderson's a big inspiration for me. So I, I love just like centering something up and just rolling uh, on, a, on something with like some center frame, uh, some like symmetry, anything like that. That's a great point. And I think it especially resonates with longer form content too. A lot of times short form content, uh, you know, you can kind of get away maybe with just doing a quick edit and getting it out and people will get hype on it. But with longer form content, like the last dance, they're jumping around from location to location year to year even. And so it does really, uh, it, it becomes very important to let the audience know like, yeah, we are out, you know, outside the Staples center or, this is, uh, if, say it's not the last dance, but this is going into World War II or whatever it may be, you know? 
I think longer form content, it might become even more uh, important. Most definitely. And especially when you're working with editors. So like on the Elite 11, um, James and I, I think you had James on like one of the first couple episodes. Yep. We game shot. We were cam ops on the Elite 11 um, for this past year. We jumped on like eight regional gigs in the finals. And all that footage just gets dropped to a DIT at the end of the day. And then an editor over in uh, Vegas is where Reed is located. He's going to cut that piece together. And your job, or what I'd like to think my job is, is to set him up as best as possible to tell the story. So if one of the guys, the high school quarterbacks, is who the subjects are at the Elite 11, if they go to like cryotherapy or to a chiropractor or something on their off days, it's like, cool, capture the moment, but when time allows, get a shot of the exterior of the place just to establish where you're at to set the editor up. That's so smart. Uh, and yeah, as Andy just mentioned, if, for those who hadn't picked up on it yet, somehow, James, his younger brother, also went to Clemson, also makes killer content, was the inaugural guest on Blue Ass Water. So we've got both oh, brothers on first. now. He was the first, yeah. Wow. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Let's go. I hope I can live up to his interview. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. You're crushing it. Um, let, let's have a little fun real quick. Let's do some predictions on trends. In the future, looking ahead, do we see more travel? Because you've done a bit of travel throughout mostly the Southeast, kind of. Uh, every weekend, it seems like you're shooting golf somewhere else or football or whatever. Do you see more travel being oriented towards planes, trains, or audio automobiles and self-driving cars? Oh, man. I mean, I think short term, at least for me, it's going to be planes for like five years. But give it five to ten. And I mean, hopefully we're just like cruising around in self-driving cars. But I've, I've never been on like one of those like beautiful Amtraks who are just like cruising down the West Coast or just like across the country. Have you seen that uh, graphic? It's like a meme now of like the Amtrak just connecting the entire United States. And pe people just go nuts about it. Like, I'd love for that to happen. But yeah, it's, you know, air travel right now is so much more convenient than an Amtrak. Uh, but ideally, that'd be so much more fun if the time allowed, you know? Dude, I'm so stoked you brought that up because I was going to if you had it. I know the exact graphic you're talking about. And it's funny how it kind of has turned into a meme. But the thing is, overseas, like in Europe, it's not a meme. It's reality. They have trains that go everywhere. And it's like, honestly, kind of less common from my experience, at least, to take a plane. It's kind of almost more common to take a train. The train stations and even the train lines are so interconnected over there from city to city, big or small, that you can get places that are fairly far away in not that long of a time. And they're fairly inexpensive too. Um, so I would love if the railway system in the States was as developed as it was in Europe. That would be insane. Yeah, that'd be sweet. It, it hopefully it'd make life a lot easier, but uh, I feel yeah. like it would, <laughs> but like you said, the, the time might, might, might take longer, who knows? But uh, next question, prediction, athletes, are increasingly developing their own social presence, obtaining their own brand deals. Do you see coaches, staff, referees, or officials of any sport following suit? Oh, dude, that's such a good question. Oh, I think it's going to take longer for them to jump on the train of, of personal branding. You know, I think that the Gen Z millennial uh, zillennial, like that right in the middle train really gets personal branding and is fired up about it. But like, I don't see a Dabo Sweeney 
um, having a personal videographer following him around posting to his Instagram. I feel like he's trying to be the best college football coach he can be. He doesn't necessarily need a brand to kind of propel him. Right. Like if you're, if you're at that age, I feel like you're pretty much like, like set in a career. Uh, and, and I mean, it's great to have a personal brand if you're older, right? Like 40, 50, do it, like jump on the internet and build it. But, you know, coaches and assistant coaches, I, I feel like there's some weird politics in the team meeting rooms. Like, let's say, uh, let's say like, I don't know, the offensive coordinator for Clemson decided just to have somebody handle his branding in his video. That, that'd be a weird, I don't know, ask. Yeah, I, I feel that. But at the same time, I don't know, you know, who, 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 who knows unless someone tries. Dude, if someone's going to try, it's going to be Georgia Tech. Their head coach is just so forward thinking and media. And he's just like all about their look on social, how they feel appealing to recruits. I think that it'd be Georgia Tech. Shout out Georgia Tech. You heard it here first. <laughs> There's the biggest prediction of the evening. And then finally, do you see if we have to break down content types and we got to pick a winner? Photo, video, graphics, or other? being the primary focus 15, 20 years down the line? Oh, man. I'm obviously biased, but I got to say video. Uh, I mean, based off the last dance, right? Like that that group uncovered, you know, reels and reels and reels of tape that were shot from, you know, 20, was it 25, 30 years? Probably like 25, 20 years ago. Yeah. Whenever Jordan was in his prime, I think it was like the 80s. Um. And you can tell a story with that. Like that footage was untouched for so long and then it was crafted into a story. And I don't see that happening with a graphic or a photo uh, as, as efficiently as it could have happened with video. Um, so yeah, as far as documentation goes, I'm all about video being you know prevalent in the next 20 years. Maybe a bit of a biased take. However, you did support it with good evidence. For sure. For I'll sure. let it slide. I'll let it slide. <laughs> Wait, wait, what's what's your take there? I mean, I think you just convinced me. I don't know if I necessarily thought of mine. I do think that photos, can, a good photo can tell a story quick. Mm, for sure. And they've been around the longest. Um, and so... I do love how a photo can be just like displayed and printed and it's like on a wall. Like that's not necessarily the case with a, a video project. Like mm -hmm. it's more of a time... Uh, commitment to you know sit down and watch an entire documentary rather than saying oh this was an epic photo from the nba finals in 85 you know what i mean and that tells a story quicker so i mean devil's advocate is right there it's uh <laughs> it's easier to uh to consume a good photo like you said facts when we got breakfast the other week you mentioned first of all that was fire fantastic if you haven't been to mozo uh sorry mazo's belly uh mount pleasant there's one in charleston too get there three pig sandwich that was a great pick. But when we got breakfast, you mentioned how Greenville has really become a hub for creative individuals, which I think is very interesting. So in your opinion, just discuss uh, like the impact about of being surrounded by other creative people and how it can kind of, you know, lead to opportunities, but also just rub off on your own creativity and keep you constantly inspired, perhaps. Yeah, I'm fired up about the creative scene in Greenville. Uh, we actually, so on Tuesdays, we have been, been like linking up with other creatives in the area. Still don't know what the group is going to be called yet. <laughs> I'll get your, your take on what the group should be called in a little bit, but we had like 
20 people show up to a, a brewery in Greenville last night and we just talk shop. It's like the sixth week that uh, they've met. Um, I've jumped on for a couple. And it's so cool to just like talk shop, see where everybody's at. You are being mentored by some and you can provide insight and information to others who are a little bit, you know, behind where you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so awesome. It's it's cool to be on like both sides of the coin there. But um, it, it's definitely cool to see how other people operate how they structure their business, the work they're getting, what fires them up. And then from a gig perspective, it's cool to connect with people who are doing similar things uh, as you, because if you need a second hand on set, you need gaffer, you need a PA, you need an audio tech, everybody is there in this group. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really cool to surround yourself with those kind of people. And that community is super important. Aside from Greenville, let's move on to travel a little bit. Here we go. The name of the pod. Yeah, the name of the pod. <laughs> What's your favorite place you've ever visited and why? Me and my buddy Peyton went to the Faroe Islands a couple of years ago. It was our trip after we both graduated. And the like pace of life there was just so slow. We barely saw anybody there. Uh, it was beautiful. It was like not a lot going on. You just basically like hike, see waterfalls, fly drones, and just like hang out in these beautiful places. And it was cool. It was, it was humbling, right? Like, I feel like a lot of the trips that I would go on, you know, with like family were never really like jump out. And I don't know, you're not like engulfed in just like a brand new culture, you know? Um, but it was, it was definitely cool to see how like people lived in a place that was totally different than the United States. Uh, that's part of what I love about getting out there and exploring places that are either a totally different language to what you're used to and what you know totally different culture, totally different cuisine, or mm -hmm. even just the landscape as in uh, like in the Faroe Islands. Like there is, I think uh, a really close second would be the family trip that we took to Greece, me and James. And there's a blue ass water style travel video out there that exists that we made back in 2017. That was heavily <laughs> Sam Coulter inspired. Um, so that's the closest thing uh, we've gotten to a, to a travel, like a classic travel video, you know? <laughs> I yo, I'd consider that a classic travel video though. Like you crush the Sam Calder theme, which is what you were going for. For like, sure. <laughs> platinum record selling and Grammy Award winning artist Drake once wrapped, come with me, leave all of your things. We can stop at Gucci, stop at Louis V. Come with me, fly you at the Greece, full speed, Savela Perry. What does Greece mean to you? I know you're Greek, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never guess based on how I look. James got those uh, genes of the family. But um, yeah, my great grandparents, uh, we, we actually got the village, the tiny uh, village. No, we got to visit the village where they were from. Um, wow. It was called the Megala, the Megala Hoyo is what it was called. So we got to go see the house where they grew up. Um, it was super cool. Um, so we did that. We did Santorini, Mykonos, Athens, um, that whole thing. But I mean, the coolest part was most definitely seeing the the spot where they actually came from. You know what I mean? Um, How old is that village? I don't know. You'd have to ask uh, my yaya. We'll, we'll, we'll get her to, uh, <laughs> that's grandma. Is she That's there? grandma in Greek. Let's get her, let's get her on the pod. <laughs> Dude, she's on, she's on James Island. I'll get her your address. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Her have up. her come over. <laughs> Do it in person. <laughs> um. I, I don't know how old it is, but uh, oh shoot, I don't even want to guess because I get it so wrong. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll ask her. When you were flying the drone up in uh, the Faroe Islands, was that sketch at all? Because you are kind of like in some parts, the altitude is very high. I remember seeing some photos and you're kind of like in the clouds. 
Yeah, the altitude's high. The the sketchiest part were the birds that were really territorial and they would try to attack it. The cute little puffins? No, not the puffins. Those those were you can't fly on that island just because okay. like they're they're that place is so protected. But um yeah, these birds like literally almost took took me out, took me out of the sky. But uh I, I still need <laughs> dude, I've been sitting on the footage from that trip for so long and I need to put something out from it. But I think the idea was, you know, once I passed my part 107, like drone license test, I would put something out and like pass that the other week. So now it's in the cards to edit, you know, a, a video from that. I had been doing, I, I think you saw the daily drone series that I, was, I did for a while. I was going to bring them up. I was like, you did use some of the clips for daily drone. And then also, yeah. um, what, what was it? The, uh, like the mental health app that or the the Instagram page, what was it called? Get, uh, better, better. It was right? better. It it's it's no longer with us. RIP. But um, I, I did these like, uh, what was it? It was like a mindfulness moment or something where it was like a long form drone piece, um, which was great. They brought me on to just say, hey, you've got some really cool drone shots. Can we overlay some like breathing exercises over your shots? And I was like, yeah, yeah, take it, do it. Um, so we did that. I pushed out like some one-offs, uh, from the Faroe Islands, from Iceland, from Greece, but never like a piece that, you know, encompasses everything on it, uh, or everything from the trip. So that's in the works still. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to tastefully put that out from a trip that was like two or three years ago. I think you just say F taste and do it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Hey, it's, it's this guy that I follow. Um, what's his name? Seth Godin. And his whole mantra is like, here, I made this. You know what I mean? Oh, I like that. There's no other explanation that's needed rather than, you know, the humility it takes to say, like, to put your name on it, where it's like here, and then it's put your name on it. I made this. Wow. That's dope. I really like that. A lot of people, to kind of switch topics again, say that, you know, they aren't fully satisfied or fulfilled in their current situations. And you recently transitioned into golf. Feel free to share as little or as much as you'd like, but what was that transition like um, and why golf? So uh, yeah, prior to golf, prior to going freelance again, I was working for a motivational speaker based out of Charlotte. Um, and, you know, that was, that was fantastic. It was, it was my gig during the pandemic. I handled his Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of these posts. We filmed a couple courses. We would film, I would film his keynotes up on stage. You know what I mean? But I had the like itch to like jump back into the freelance world. And thankfully he, he, you know, allowed me to take on a couple of gigs while I was working with him, which was great. But I had the urge to just like jump back into the freelance world full time. And when I did, golf was still there. You know what I mean? So yeah, jumped back from the full-time work, back into freelance, back into heavy with golf. But I mean, really the transition has been from full-time work back into freelance. So it's it's really whatever comes my way that makes sense. Like my filter that. I run through with when it's like, am I going to take one in a gig? Is is it work that matters for people who care? That's another one from Seth Godin. Um, and it, it makes sense for golf because my connect out there, Kevin Price, is so passionate about the game and the level of golf and graduating these guys from the corn trade to the PGA. And like the producer out there, Kevin, just fires you up every time you're out there about telling the stories that are unfolding literally as the week is happening. You know what I mean? So like, Next weekend, I'm shooting the, uh, I don't know when this is going live, but one of these days I'm shooting the Premier Lacrosse League just championship. And from the outside looking in, like their media team is so dialed. They care about what they're capturing. They care about the guys. Uh, the stories they tell are fantastic. Um, 
So I'll get out there and shoot that. And that definitely passes the work that matters for people who care. I test. The worst feeling is jumping on a gig, showing up, providing your service and leading never to hear like how it was received, how it did, uh, what the piece meant to someone, you know, just like I've had a couple gigs like that. And that's just like a red flag did not jump back out with those people <laughs> because it's, it's so unfulfilling. Right. So I want to know that like someone saw the work that I made and it, it like impacted them in some way, whether it's making, you know, a new fan of someone who's curious about lacrosse or golf or creating a golf video in a certain way that reaches a totally different group of people who would have never expected to see a golf video. You know what I mean? Facts. Yeah. 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 So speaking of lacrosse and the PLL two creators that we love shout out to Colin and Samir. Oh yeah, dude. I doubt they're watching, but if they are, we love y'all <laughs> on Ian Borthwick's podcast, the business side, Samir noted that as creators, there's this interesting, interesting dance between what you want to create, what the algorithm wants, and what the audience wants to see of the brand or company that you're working for. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough dance. Like he said, right? Like you want to go out. It's kind of like how much production is too much production, like we were talking about earlier. Like for me, I want to make something look as great as possible. But like take take this inter- this podcast, for example. I wanted to have uh, an actual DSLR right here. I wanted to have a boom mic, but it's like technical difficulties couldn't get it done. I asked you to push back 15 minutes and I set up a light, you know what I mean? And there's, <laughs> there's no camera, there's no boom, but it's here and it's fine because we're, we're chatting and we're talking, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. in that sense, you can't have the production. I don't know if the algorithm likes this or not, but uh, this, <laughs> this is, <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, but this is where we're at. Right. So I, I think the dance is, you've got to please the client who brought you out. Right. But ideally you find the right clients and you find better clients who say, Hey, do your thing, which is what the corn fairy tour is for me. Um, so as long as you're cool with the clients and you have a good relationship with them, like that's checked off. Ideally that's checked off. And then it's a dance between making the work that you want to make and what the algorithm wants. Like, I'm not necessarily on board with just like catering to the algorithm. But like, that's what is eventually going to pay the bills, right? But mm. ideally, ideally, you don't have to cater to the algorithm to pay the bills. Hopefully, you're paid for the work that you want to be doing. Like, that's that's going to be the best case. And I hope that I never have to just like bow down to an algorithm to get a check, you know? <laughs> right. Because that ties right back into the, the, uh, the work that you feel doesn't have meaning or you're not recognized for or, or, or um, what were you saying? Like uh you're saying it a minute ago work that matters for the people who care like like take tiktok right you're not going to catch me like doing a tiktok dance for millions of views i'm going to stick to doing daily vlogs and my 500 views until i find the audience who cares about that um i mean not that i'm confident that i would get millions of views about dancing on tiktok but like i don't know (laughs) no uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i feel is like you know, what I'm best suited for. And hopefully the algorithm plays to my favor and pushes my stuff out to the people who care about it, who I can like actually help. I don't know if helps the right word, but provide entertainment to provide some value to. And then that's, that's where you grab your, your cash, however you want to make money from that. Eventually I'm all about just like doing work for free for five years and then figuring out how to sell to an audience. I think Colin and Samir talk about it all the time. You need your thousand true fans before you do anything. That right there is bars. (laughs) 
Bars, Cody Co. Shout out Cody Co. Blue Mass Water. <laughs> hey, so what's maybe some really great advice, dare I say best advice you've ever received, whether it be at Clemson or with people you've worked with, counterparts or bosses? It's make it shorter. I feel like I shouldn't ask you to go deeper with that. <laughs> That's why I stopped. <laughs> no, uh, I'll go deeper with it. Um, it's it's from Casey Neistat when the legend when he was uh, daily vlogging. Uh, yeah, salute, love the guy. I don't know how he did it for what like eight hundred days. I can't even do a TikTok vlog for forty five. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I know you saw mine. I did. I did a TikTok daily, uh, daily day in the live TikTok one day. I meant to do it all five that week. I did it one day. The second I forgot. And then the third, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> you got to start. You got to start with one day a week. And then you you get there, right? Like Casey and I started making short films prior to daily vlogging. Like, I feel like it's the case of like, you can't just daily vlog nothing. You have to have something to show. But in, in the, you know, talk about daily vlogging. He just said, just like, make it shorter. There's something to cut. He would always finish his videos on like, a cliffhanger, a hard ending where it's like you wanted more and it left you with the feeling like, oh, it's over. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. you never want to leave something too long. So I'll like finish a, a hype video for the Cornberry tour or something. And I'm like, what can I cut to make this flow a little bit better? How can I bring this from two minutes down to a minute and a half, which still feels kind of long for social. But I mean, um, if you can make people care about a video for a minute and a half, you've got to be dialed. And that's where you take it down 20 seconds. Wow, that's incredible. And you know what ties in is I keep seeing some of my, I mean, my favorite TikToks range, but some of the ones that stand out the most to me are the ones that the last shot is the first shot. They mm, repeat. Mm -hmm. And those are also the ones that are doing numbers. And it's, you know, it, it ties in to make it shorter. They're cutting that beautiful end shot that might be a, a drone and it's like a sweet little you know uh happily ever after moment they're cutting that ending it maybe where it climaxes or right after that and then it back to the first shot and it all ties like you didn't even notice it's the first shot again you thought it you thought it's supposed to be the last but it somehow it ties together do you know what i'm talking about yeah dude the days are definitely gone of like a classic movie where you fade to black and you have credits, right? Like it's, I, I saw on Colin and Samir's pod, you know, the loop is so important on TikTok these days where you don't even realize it looped and you're like right back to the beginning. Um, so, I mean, definitely a little growth hacky, but like I can totally see how you can keep attention a little longer uh, if you're thinking about that loop. And there's like, there's like, a, oh, there's like some respect in a really good loop. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, for sure. So, I mean, if, if that's the angle, that's the angle. Um, but like, you're not seeing TikTok videos or other videos on the internet, just like fading to black these days. It goes right back to the beginning. Could be the move. Could be the move. <laughs> Looping your videos. Could be the move. <laughs> Dude, I actually, I actually got uh, one of their stickers to put on the Pelican the other day. Let me see what this is. Um, the move. You know what the move is? is putting stickers on your Pelican case so it doesn't look suspect when you go through TSA. So I got a couple of these. I got some, like, I'm just, like, collecting, and I'm just going to, like, rig out the Pelican so they don't flag it as, like, I don't know, suspect luggage. I love that. Mine's just a tiny black Pelican, but if you put stickers on, you make it look super fun. You just breeze through security. Have you had any issues with TSA with the Pelican? 
not with the pelican a lot of the times the people are like your bag is like for my backpack they're like your bag is packed way too much like we can't even see what's inside of it i'm like that's so funny because there's like dividers inside and all this and they're like they're like can you take out like 20 percent of what's in here and chuck it in a bin and i was like yeah i can do that you know what i mean and then we're also dealing with stuff that's like super fragile and expensive also and so then yeah. when, when you're taking it out and chucking it in a bin for everyone to see as well it's like all right everyone look at me pay attention to me and for better or for worse however you want to think about me as you know yeah dude i've had a horror story happen i was um on a clemson fb mission trip like i I don't think you can call it a mission trip actually i'm going to restart that (laughs) i was on a clemson football service trip to haiti uh when i was a junior is when i went and we it was like 15 guys where i was the only person shooting um and we're flipping around like a 20 minute basically like a documentary for it but we were in security going to haiti and my bag went through and they were like hey we got to take out the camera and i was like on the other side of the wall i couldn't do it so they did it they took it out they re-ran it the bins at the end of the conveyor belt got clogged one got underneath camera falls off the tsa belt and does like a slow motion bounce and roll, dude. It was so <laughs> sketchy. It was so scary. It was the only camera I brought too, but thankfully it was fine. But like it took a tumble off the like, it's probably like what, three, three and a half feet that conveyor belt or whatever. Yeah, it it tumbled off some tile floor. Oh my gosh. That, that I mean, your whole trip probably flashed before your eyes right there. Mm. Yeah, I didn't even know what I was going to tell. Like people back on the ground in Clemson. It's like, hey, I'm going to shoot this thing all on my iPhone now. Could have been a cool challenge, but like, who wants to do that? You know, it could be the move. If you could only shoot one subject for the rest of your life, what would you shoot? Travel, music videos, golf. I don't think it'd be either any of those. Maybe it'd be golf. I mean, can I can I give you a genre of just yeah. like un- unscripted doc capture? Perfect. Because I think that'd be it, but that's kind of a cop out because <laughs> you can you can shoot an unscripted doc of anything. Just like having moments like a last chance you unfold in front of you and figuring out how to tell the story on the fly. I think there's a real skill to that, um, and that's what I'd love to be involved in. Um, because figuring out the moments while you're on site that are going to cater to the story and the edit that's happening, just like I don't know, a year, two years down the line when you're in the edit bay after the story is wrapped, I think that's really powerful. I love that answer. Uh, honestly, I wish I had thought about what I would answer. I'm going to think about it right now. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little bit vague, but I think I would go with, uh, like environmental impact based stories, whether that's, mm-hmm. uh, short little excerpts, you know, for, uh, of people making an impact or of companies or just short, quick social clips to spread awareness. I think that is something that really motivates me. So yeah, I would think I would I go it. with like environmental stories, storytelling. For sure. Yeah. I'm all about it, dude. And a close second would be just like anything from the air, like anything aerial. Like I'd shoot whatever from the sky. I just passed part one of seven tests. So we're flying legally now. Um, so yeah, that just opens up some doors for sure. That's fire. For people who don't know, but, you know, maybe novice with drones and just starting out, talk about real quick the importance of getting your drone license, how it can help you and save you while working with brands, um, and 
even some things you might have learned that you didn't even know before while you studied and prepared for that test. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the test is heavy on like actual pilots. So you learn a lot about how aircrafts maneuver. You learn so much about airports. You learn about different airspaces, just like give respect for flying. Like back in the day, I was just like sending it. You know what I mean? Of course. And uh, now, now like uh, the catalyst to get the test passed was um, I'm going out to Whistling Straits to shoot the Ryder Cup. Um, and in order to fly out there, you have, they have like the stack of paperwork that you have to fill out and you have to give out certifications. You have to give out million dollar general liability insurance. You have to give out your FAA registration number and all that. And it's, it's, it feels good to do it by the books. Like the four years prior was definitely the rogue drone flights of, of absolutely not doing it by the books, but it's cool to know that like you're respecting the airspace in the craft because like there's some idiots out there who will uh who will crash and actually cause some real damage right um so yeah dude we're we're insured if anything wrong goes wrong like we're covered uh it, it definitely feels good talk to me about the contractual aspect of it you said you know million dollar insurance contracts or something like that uh who sets that up the company or brand that you're working with or, or is that your responsibility yeah, it's on me. Um, so I'll set it up. It's it's really it, it sounds a lot more intense than it actually is, right? It's like it's like seventy bucks a month to have this general liability insurance that big groups require before you fly. So, dude, I just bought a landing pad, an orange vest, and some traffic cones for like it was like eighty bucks, and I'm gonna be out here on this golf course just like with my landing pad. Like I tried to find the like best looking orange traffic vest I could find. <laughs> with all the pockets and all that but yeah dude we're gonna get out there and do it legit do you need a hard hat as well Mm-mm. it is i have been on a couple gigs where you need hard hats whether it's like construction of a new hotel or just like a stadium or something where they're uh you know renovating it or building something new it's pretty cool to be in those situations that's like if i had to say like you know third runner up of what i was gonna shoot it's like the like outdoorsy things, like situations where it's like tough to be in, like not anybody could be in. Like if you're shooting a, like I love shooting football games when it's 65 degrees outside, it's breezy. It's like the best lighting conditions. But like I did a gig with the, um, with Emory, actually the Harvard ski carnival it was like downhill slalom skiing. And it's like negative 15 degrees outside. And it feels intense to be there. Like a Chris Picard type guy, like the, uh, have you seen under an Arctic sky? Bro, I've seen all of his shit. He is my so favorite good. favorite storyteller that I that I'm aware of. Dude, he's legendary. Especially like talking on a travel podcast, like Chris Picard and then this guy Alex Stroll. Like he's also dialed, just like as far as traveling around Europe and climbing and hiking and doing all this stuff. Like a little bit more just like tamer on the travel tamer on the travel side, who's a big inspiration is Craig Adams. He shoots like, have you seen this stuff? I don't believe so he does silent hiking films and they're absolutely brilliant like fully silent uh sometimes he'll put a track sometimes he'll use nat audio like he's experimented okay. with both yeah, and yeah, then yeah at the end he does like a guide he does a guide for the hike so it's like call it like a 15 minute film and then a 30 minute like sat down direct to camera like this where he's like hey this is where the trailhead is here's where i stayed here's the food you should eat here's how i took the bus there you know i took a taxi rather than the shuttle they told me to take you know what i mean saved 200 bucks yeah so it's like part filmmaker part travel guide yeah part like come out and do it yourself after you see how beautiful it is so um i mean i think that kind of stuff is in the cards just like 
in the future for gigs. Right now it's golf and unscripted dot capture. But I'd love to get out into nature, travel a bit more and figure out how to like jump in that lane. Yeah, that's fire. Um, I do want to touch on, I feel like people who are listening that know who you are might have found you from your days at Clemson. Let's talk about the vlog. Yeah, the vlog. What was it like going into that very first episode, season one, episode one? You're the guy. You're showing everyone, telling everyone what the vlog is, its purpose, its mission, what you're going to see, what you can expect. What was that process like ideating the concept with the creative team at Clemson? And uh, then for you having to be and getting to be behind the camera and for to introduce this huge concept that was somewhat revolutionary, I'd say, for college athletics. Yeah, dude. Thanks. I appreciate it. I mean, first word that comes to mind is like scary. Like back then, uh, I wasn't as as confident as I am now and like who I am and how I'm operating. Right. So like backtracking where the vlog idea came from was from my like 2016, like personal national championship behind the scenes vlog where mm-hmm. I showcased our media team. So it was like me and Max, we were basically just documenting when we could document um, the behind the scenes of how we were pushing out content at the 2016 national championship game over in California. And then I cut that piece, showed it to my boss in like February after we had won. And he was like, we need to do this for the actual team. And I was like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, what's the deal? And he gave me free, he gave me complete free reign to shoot a pilot episode. So it was like 2017, the week of the solar eclipse. And because that was one of the main segments of the first episode of the vlog. So I think we had an intro. We had picture day, like like team picture day, three weeks before the season starts. We had a couple practice segments, couple interviews, and the solar eclipse uh, segment. So I took that in, showed it to the team, and they loved it. But like Jonathan was like, "Yo, he's like, are you sure you want to put this out? Like it's it's on you. You can make the call if you want it to go live or not." And he's like, "Like straight up, you're gonna get some like shit for this. Like there's gonna be the comments, you know." And I was like, Jonathan, like. Like, I know that like, this isn't like a top notch performance from a host. Like I wasn't a host, but I was like, the vlog isn't going to not exist because I say that it's not going to go live. You know what I mean? Like, that, like I just put a week of my life into making the pilot episode and like, it's not going to not go because I'm like, eh, I don't know how I feel about it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like, just like putting yourself out there in the arena. There were the comments that were like, oh, this guy why is he talking so unenthusiastically and like <laughs> you know why is this kid the host of the vlog and like the idea was me jake max um that that crew we would kick it off and intro the vlog for like the first five or six episodes and then eventually once it got some traction with the team the coaches the program the players would take it over so that's when you take the camera and you you hand it off and you say hey you know we need some sound on this so i turned from a producer slash host slash shooter slash editor into just like cutting out the host aspect altogether in favor of allowing the players to tell the story. Yeah. Which it makes it a little bit more impactful for the fans because they're seeing exactly who they're watching, you know, right. no, 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 no hate to the student creatives on the field, but fans aren't necessarily watching their every move. They're watching the quarterback and the, Oh yeah. (laughs) It should never be. I mean, it was really cool to like see the people who actually appreciated like, like the chance that we took to like 
put ourselves out there because like people would be like oh like it's a vlog guy or like you know during tiger walk when you're cruising down like people want to be on the vlog and it's really mm-hmm. cool to see that impact um but yeah it, it definitely makes way more sense to have the guys host it to build their brand now especially with nil like i yeah. think that we were ahead of the time for setting players up for the name image and likeness not like you know, Christian and Dexter and all those guys can really take advantage of it. They're out in the NFL now, but like the guys now know about the vlog, like the most impactful moment for me was we did a, uh, a junior like showcase day where these high school juniors would come in and they would run through our setup and our studio photos, videos, headshots, all that like creative content. And one of the moms was like, Hey, I, I, she was talking to me and she was like, I sent my kid here because of the vlog and how it instantly makes you feel like, you know, everybody here in this program. And I was like, that's what actually matters. Like the views on the YouTube didn't matter. It's like, thank you. Our main audience was recruits. And at first coming in, I thought it was fans and potential fans, but like, uh, we, that just like, as soon as we got installed, the students, it's like, listen, all we are here to do is appeal to the recruits to make the best team possible and to attract the best talent. And that was the role that everybody kind of leaned into. And that kind of culminated with this mom of a player who ultimately committed. She was like, Hey, yeah, that's why we're here was because of the vlog. I was like, wow, love it. And two or three national championships later, I'd say it, it's safe to say that it worked. Yeah, it worked. Um, <laughs> you know. We just took the L to Georgia, but, you know, fingers hey, crossed the rest of the season. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even pay yeah. attention last weekend. Well, yeah. What happened? Huh? Oh, our, our destiny, I think, is still on our own hands. So fired up. Let's go. Andy, where can people find your work and follow your journey? I am most active, I'd say, on Instagram and Twitter. So Instagram is AndyT18, which was my old Xbox gamer tag. That's where that one comes from. <laughs> And then I've Twitter. always wondered why it was 18 for a while. It's like, well, he's 18 years old or well, he graduated I was born, 18 or I was born on the 18th of okay. uh, December. So that's where that. So like people knew me from my gamer tag and I was like, Instagram, whatever, just make it. Uh, and Twitter, you can search Andy Turner. Like technically it's Andy triple underscore Turner, but that has a nice ring to it. I like the triple underscore. If I dial in the personal brand, like that'll be the next step and I'll get all the same handle uh like how sacred that be just have an andy but anyway oh that would be gas <laughs> we're rambling i would uh yeah just andy triple underscore turner and then andy t18 thank you so much andy i hope all y'all enjoyed this episode thanks for tuning in thanks for your time have a good one dude yeah dude this has been fun thanks <laughs>